as consultants, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, now is a time to start in hedging some of your bets in terms of increasing and scaling your business after the pandemic. People are still going to spend money and they're going to spend a lot of money and you have to be ready for that. I think it's important to really be up on what's happening around you and let that reflect on what you're doing online. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Now, more than ever, it's important to keep up on the latest marketing trends and topics, and this is just the spot. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Now Marketing Group. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to season four kickoff. This is our season three reunion, part two, and we have, I think, seven guests that are going to be joining us in three different groups, and I'm excited to get going again. Part one was amazing, and I am sure part two will be just as amazing. I am Megan Powers, and I am with Powers of Marketing, the host of this show, Strategic Marketing Training, Development, and Execution, and all online, y'all. And I'm happy to say hello to my co-host, Jen Cole. Hey, Jen. Hey, Megan. How are you today? I'm good. It's been a good week. I haven't been able to say that in a long time. You know, where it like all cumulatively was good. There weren't just good moments. It was like really all good. So um, pretty exciting. Yeah. When you get word from a client that you get more hours and your job's going to be easier because you don't have to manage people. (laughs) That's that's money, girl. That's That's a win. (laughs) Huge win. All right. I want to introduce our first group. This is how it's going to go. I'm going to introduce our guests and their show and which episode it was. And we're going to have them give a little something, something about themselves, whatever they'd like to share and a little bit about their episode. And then Jen will have the, the big question for you. So our guests today, Mike Alton and Madeline Sklar are in this group. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. This is awesome. Thanks for being here, especially uh, Mike in such a major week that he's had. I'm so happy you could fit us in your amazing schedule. <laughs> All right. So you're, you're uh, talking, of course, of me becoming a kindergarten teacher because oh, that's a that, career milestone for me. We'll add that to the list. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> okay. So Mike's episode was blogging is not dead. He is the blogging brute. It was episode 43 and it is the seventh most downloaded show for the past year. So that's my stat for you. Why don't you tell our listeners about yourself, all that fun stuff you have going on. Yeah, I do call myself the blogging brute. That's actually a nickname Jeff C gave me. I think he's been on your show. He has, yeah. 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 And because back in the day, I used to write really, really fast and a lot, two, three blog posts a week, a day, actually, sometimes, which I don't do anymore. But that was a moniker that stuck for a while. And I really like it. I like teaching people how to blog. But my full-time job is actually with Agora Pulse. So I'm their brand evangelist. I get to work with wonderful influencers and marketers around the country and the world, in fact. And that's what I do every day. I love it. Yeah, of course, Jen and I are fangirls of Agora Pulse. Oh my God, yes. And our third group today, Jennifer Watson is on. So we have another Agora Pulse. (laughs) And Eric Fisher was on the first show. So it's a love fest. (laughs) Love fest for a show. (laughs) And you published a book. You want to talk about that for a minute? (laughs) 
Yeah, this was quite the project and the journey. And in fact, I'm going to end up touching on this in a minute a little bit because of the people that were involved. I'm part of a mastermind group with Jen Herman, Stephanie Lynn, Amanda Robinson. And we had the real pleasure and honor of being able to work with Eric Buteau and Entrepreneur Press. That's Entrepreneur Magazine, put together the ultimate guide to social media marketing. And it just came out this week. So we're really excited about that. That's amazing. Yeah. Our, um, my, actually, one of my previous bosses is the CMO of Entrepreneur Media. So um, I saw that and I thought, oh, smart, smart folks. That's really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. And Miss Madeline, your show was, of course, about Twitter, Twitter relevancy and updates with pro PRO Madeline Sklar. It was episode 45. Be sure to go back and listen to that. She is one of the few people we've had back twice. There's Ooh. a, there's, a, I think there's about five okay, special. Four, yeah. There's about yeah. four, four or five people that have ended up. Well, actually, no, I think there's only two or three and the others are, um, we're just back for the reunion. So this is your third show <laughs> with us. Oh, wow. I so feel extra special. Thank you. you. Are, well, you're special. All right. Tell Thank our you. listeners about yourself and a little bit about, I mean, I just kind of described what the episode was about, but you can tell if you want to tell a little bit more. All, all things to Twitter. Well, I've been doing digital marketing for a very, very long time before most people even knew about all these things. I started in 1996 uh, when the internet was really just getting going and I was a web designer, always building online communities before we even knew what a social network was. I was basically building those and just always having fun using the internet to connect people together. And then once social media really took off, and especially Twitter, I just knew that was the home for me, even though I do all the social platforms and I teach them all to people. I love Twitter because I love the short to the point, which is how I've always liked expressing myself. I mean, I was blogging starting back in 2000 and I was always a short form blogger. So Twitter just really suited me well. And I just love sharing what I learn. I mean, I'm just a, a constant learner learner and taking what I learn and sharing it with other people. That's really all I do. And I really focus heavily on Twitter because so many people tell me they know how to tweet, but they don't know all the ins and outs. And I tell most people like, I could sit here and show you 10 things about Twitter you didn't know in like 20 minutes. And they're always blown away every time. They're like, I didn't know I could do all these cool things. So it's always fun just just sharing this knowledge and helping people understand how to best use it to help them in their business. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those platforms that it's on the surface, super easy to just use, to just right. tweet. And But yeah, that there's so much magic in all the advanced search and all the lists and all that kind of good stuff. I love it. I love it. She has a Twitter chat called Twitter Smarter. We did four bonus episodes this July when normally we take July off. And the fourth episode in there was with Natalie Gregg, who, of course, named you as her Twitter mentor. And yeah, and it, it's super popular. It's most downloaded in the last couple of months at this point. So it's doing really well. And it's something I think that like, if you don't know, you don't know. So I think when people learn about Twitter chats, they're like, oh, hey, this is cool. So and getting into that is awesome. All right, Jen, you're on. Big question. All right, we have a big question, but I'm going to ask it a different way to both of you. So Madeline, I have to say this too about Madeline. Madeline was also my mentor when I first started developing SME chat for Social Media Examiner. And it was so valuable and amazing. And I can't thank you enough for that time, Madeline. It was so awesome. 
Thank you so much. I just love Twitter chats and I think they're so valuable. And I've been doing, I've been actually hosting a Twitter chat, sometimes multiple. I mean, I've done three chats at once for the last nine years, almost 10 years now. So I've been hosting them for a really long time and they're just so powerful. So I'm just so proud of all the work you've done with SME Chat. Thank you very much. It was a really fun project. It was my favorite part of the week. So tell me something, you know, the world has changed a lot this year, but tell me something that's changed about Twitter. What have you noticed when it comes to community on Twitter, you know, in the last few months because of the results of staying at home and being separated from our community and the Twitter sphere? Yeah, it seems that people are spending more time on Twitter from what I've seen just from my point of view. It seems like they're really getting more into it and seeing more value in it right now. And they're also, what I'm seeing a lot of people do is being more expressive on there, sharing their points of views with a lot of the social issues going on and not being afraid to tweet and retweet different things that are important to them and adding that into the mix. I used to stay away from doing much of that on my Twitter because I just didn't want it to be political or anything too personal. I tried to keep mine very businesslike. I'll do the occasional personal tweet, like I tweeted the other day with some new work on my arm with my tattoo, how it's turned into a sleeve without even trying. It just magically happened. And people love that because they want to feel more connected to you. And they love when you can be a little more personal. But I've seen that people are getting more, and I've been getting more comfortable as well with, you know, sharing some uh, views with different social issues, just so people know where I stand with things and how other people are doing the same as well. And that seems to be part of this world we're in now in 2020, which has gone through so many changes is unbelievable. Yeah, it has been unbelievable. I found that Twitter is just a place where anytime that I need to talk to a friend or just be around people, air quotes, it's a great place to just go find that person or be surrounded by those people in that moment when I need to feed off of something. Because I do, I I feed off of people. Twitter's a great place for that. Well, and that's what's been so great about my Twitter Smarter Chat. You know, a lot of chats stopped when things got a little crazy in June in this country, right? I mean, a lot of people were afraid. They were like, you know what? I'm just going to go silent for a while and just let things kind of play out. And my thought was the whole purpose of my Twitter Smarter Chat is to bring people together. And so I had so many people say to me for weeks, like, I am so glad you didn't stop the chat. I need this, especially with COVID, you know, being stuck at home and then watching TV with all the craziness in the world. I want to be connected to other people. And then we made a point to bring on topics and guests that were really relevant to the times. And I got a lot of thanks for that as well. And I think it's important to really be up on what's happening around you and let that reflect on what you're doing online. Yeah, it really is. That sounds like a quotable right there, by the way. It it is a quotable. That's so quotable. That's amazing. I wasn't even trying and it just came out so good. (laughs) I love it. It's perfect. So, Mike, it's been a big year, I feel like, for Agora Pulse. And despite everything that's been going on, tell me something that you and you and your role at Agora Pulse have just taken and run with as a result of COVID this year. Oh, okay. That's an interesting take on that question. Thank you. I would say one of the things that I chose to do differently is to not do a virtual summit in Q2. We do them, or at least I've been doing them every quarter for a couple of years now. Uh-huh. And in the past, they've been very broad. I'd have you know, 20, 30, 40 speakers on a bunch of different topics, basically an online marketing conference, only virtual. And we did one in Q1. 
and it was great, did very, very well. And as we were entering into Q2, COVID happened. I knew that that was going to have an impact on virtual summits and virtual events. I mean, we were all at Social Media Marketing World. And that was probably the last in-person conference most of us were at. And it was very shortly after that, that we saw conferences like South by Southwest, you know, canceling, postponing, going online. Yeah. And so I thought, I don't know that I want to try to put another summit in the middle of that, which would have been like April. So right. I took Q2 off, took a step back, and I watched what other events were doing. I watched what other typically online events were doing, uh, what typically in-person events were doing and how they were converting or transitioning online and took a slew of notes. I mean, pages and pages of notes. And I was paying very close attention uh, to two events in particular, Tomicon, which wow. happened in April, right. and the Leap into Live conference that Ekim and Stephanie Lu put on also yes. in April. And uh, gosh, I mean, I took so many notes from how Stephanie pulled that off because what they did with the Leap into Live bootcamp was amazing. They'd never done a virtual summit before. And in a matter of a month and a half or so, they put together an event that brought in, I think, over 6,000 attendees, uh, which was just wow. crazy. My best yeah. event up until that point was like 2,800. So they, they crushed all the events that I'd been doing. And I'd had a lot of experience at this point doing them. So I took a lot of notes and I paid attention to how they focused, how they brought more interaction and community and networking into the event. So it wasn't just a delivery of a bunch of online seminars and spent the last couple of months planning my next event, which just happened this past week. We focused on LinkedIn. We incorporated a Facebook group, our community at Agora Pulse. With that, we incorporated virtual table talks and live keynotes and all kinds of other elements to make it really feel as much like an in-person conference as you could without literally being in person. And I'm really proud and happy to say it, it worked wonderfully. Crushed the last summit that we had in terms of attendance. Wow. Uh, the feedback's been through the roof. Uh, so it really worked really well. And I'm glad I took that time off, you know, to, to not just keep trying to do the same thing over and over again. And I took a step back and, and tried to figure out, okay, what do people need today? At least, you know, trying to think forward, what are they going to need in August based on the times that we're living in right now? That's amazing. Yeah, that summit was absolutely wonderful. I love there were so many different dimensions. There was the hashtag contest on Twitter, which was so much fun. And then there was the live broadcast keynotes and the breakout rooms. And then of course, you had your messenger rooms, which is amazing. There was just so much going on. There was something for everybody on every platform. And I know I learned a lot. And it was just amazing to be a part of it. Awesome job. Thank you. Yeah, Thank I couldn't you. attend because I had I was presenting yesterday morning yeah. or something else and then had to get back to work. But um, this is actually a really good uh, segue because one of our next guests, Jante Delane, he, he's been doing online summits as well. And I was a speaker at his online summit in January, which at the time was why don't... And we actually talked about it on his episode. So why not do it in person? And he said, well, he might go to face-to-face. -face. So anyways, I love that, that he's up next. All right, y'all. I really appreciate you, Madeline and Mike. Thanks so much for, for joining us. You are welcome to hang out and listen if you'd like. And we're going to transition to our second group and our guest. Thanks so much. All right, our guest. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Madeline. Our guests in our second group are Sarah Evans and Jante Delane. Welcome. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Good. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Welcome to the cavalcade of this reunion extravaganza. And this is part two. <laughs> so we're going to give what your episode was and then have you introduce yourself, you know, a little bit about yourself. And then we'll talk about what your episode was about. And then Jen has the, the big question for you. All right. I'll start with Jante since I already started 
started talking about um, him and his episode. Digital Branding Summit Preview, episode 47 was his. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, it was a lead in to talk about the Digital Branding Summit that you had in January. So tell our listeners about you and what you've been up to. Yeah. So first and foremost, thank you for having me on. It's always good to, to catch up and connect with you. Regarding the Digital uh, Branding Summit, of course, we had our original live to, to help create more awareness about the summit and so on. Uh, the summit was very successful. Uh, Sarah also was a part of the summit as well. Um, and it really was a good opportunity for all of the, the speakers that I've had the chance to either share the stage with or people that I've always wanted to collaborate with in on that event. And it was, it was great. It was great. In terms of myself, just to let you know a little bit more about me, I'm located in Los Angeles and I'm the founder and chief strategist for Digital Delane, which is a full service digital agency. I'm also the founder of Digital Branding Institute as well. And uh, we essentially help founders of venture-backed startups, as well as marketing VPs with go-to-market strategies, brand launches, and just creating new ideas and bringing them to life. So that's a little bit about me and pleasure being on here and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Well, thanks so much for coming back. I, I know everyone's really busy right now. And speaking of that, so Sarah Evans, she was on right at the beginning of the whole COVID thing. And the, her, her topic was marketing versus PR. And we had determined that before the shutdown. And I think it, it's such an interesting conversation Like to listen back now to see what has happened in the last five, six months, I think would be really interesting. So yeah, that's episode 51. Be sure to check that out. Hi, Miss Sarah. Let, tell our listeners about yourself. Hi, thanks so much for having me and love seeing all of your beautiful faces, even if it's virtually. I am um, a digital PR correspondent and consultant, so I get to do a lot of things in front of the camera, but then all of the real magic and work happens away from that. I get to be a spokesperson for various tech brands, but then behind the scenes, we do digital PR consulting. So all of the things that marketing does, we don't do. So we get to tell the stories and focus on earned and organic moments in time and really find ways to connect with media and audiences in new and interesting ways, not just traditional media relations. Although we do that, we find really unique ways to reach all of those digital communities and audiences where your story can be told. And I'm guessing business picked up a bit for you during all this? We definitely, there was a, a giant upward arc. I think for uh, about four and a half months, I was on, you know, 12 to 16 hour days. Um, There was a point in there because everyone pivoted, everyone switched, people were panicking. So even if it wasn't strictly media relations, there was a lot of strategic communications training, taking a step back, reorganizing PR plans. So there was, there was a lot. Yeah. Well, and all that, and you're one of my favorite Twitterers. You, I mean, I, everything you post is so inspiring and informational and it's just so positive. Like you, because the algorithm smart, right? I, it, I, it knows I like your stuff. So I see your stuff more. So I am like engaging with it more and it's just this awesome um, thing. So thank, thank you. you. It's written for me. I'm constantly trying to improve and, and I'm being home for six months, I've learned a lot of things I don't do well, and I've made a lot of mistakes. So a lot of those are are specifically written for me. And I think everyone can kind of uh, relate. Yeah, no question. For sure. All right. Miss Jen has a question for y'all. Okay. So Sarah, speaking of that, what is one of the big things that you've learned from a PR perspective during these COVID times? I've learned lots. I mean, one of the things is I I was traveling all of the time before COVID-19 really went into effect. And it's really interesting to see how much we can do virtually and still get things done. And you can be effective at your job, which is just 
I guess, a logistic side of things. The, the other thing is how it's so easy to say you have to be human, you have to be mindful in your messaging, especially from a PR standpoint, but how difficult that can actually be when you're trying to work on selling or promoting something and really being mindful and, and being that voice of reason or kind of that voice of expertise in that space for folks. It really does take more time to be thoughtful and mindful um, or to really think about what people are experiencing right now. And there is a way to do it. We've had several clients who announced really large rounds of funding, several who did two who brought in new CEOs. And we had seven different clients who launched products that could combat COVID-19 in some way, whether it's work from home or a drone that could clean indoor spaces. So we, we had to find a way to still tell those stories and be mindful and it can be done, but it really makes you focus on your expertise. And when people hire PR people or marketing people, they're really looking for that strategy, that brain. It's not just about what you can automate and do, but really what can your brain produce? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like since we've been home a little bit more than we've been out, uh, we have a little more time to think about that. And we have time to think about it from a different perspective than we normally would have, which is pretty powerful. It's been a year of learning, I think, for sure, for everyone. So Jente, as an entrepreneur, what has been one of the biggest ways that you've had to pivot or change what you normally do because of COVID-19? You know, that's an interesting question because I, I think the world sort of pivoted to what I normally do in the sense of, you know, <laughs> when it comes to self-isolating, like... <laughs> I've been kind of doing that stuff before it was almost mandated. Just You're the king of it. The computer. Um, <laughs> literally, my screen time, average screen time is 11 hours and 52 minutes. I received a notification. I know, Sarah, you're shaking your <laughs> head. I know it's bad. But that shows you how much like I'm on my computer. And so I think overall, like this whole pandemic has changed us all. I mean, ultimately, for me, I now see how much people have not adopt, fully adopted digital. And you would think that right. nowadays they would have, but there's so many clients that have come to me that are looking to pour more into their digital. They may have a certain percentage of their annual budget that they spend, but now it certainly has increased because it literally is the only way you're able to engage with your target audience. And this yeah. is so different from you know, 10, 15 years ago when there was a recession, people were still able to walk through the doors of your brick and mortar, right? There may not have been a lot of people, but they're still able to walk through. Right. So now they can't even do that, right? <laughs> and so if you have not really have an established digital strategy, you're going to really, really feel it. And if you are a brick and mortar brand, you know, now you're looking at ways to increase revenue or generate revenue digitally, right? And so there's a lot of conversations that's going on around that. And while having those conversations, it's like, well, I can't believe this is 2020 and I'm still talking about digital in this fashion. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've certainly noticed that throughout this time. Yeah. I had to give a lesson on how to make a link hot in a Word document uh, more than once with someone. Okay. So yeah, struggle is real. Y'all, <laughs> and I don't know, Sarah and Gente, if you know this, if you've noticed anything from anything that I've been posting, probably not. I haven't been posting much about it, but I, well, not surprising, lost business because of this situation. Restaurant group brought me back for three weeks and then let me go again because that you know the the dollars just weren't there. And as much as you can try to convince someone that marketing helps bring the dollars in, they oftentimes see it, just see it as a cost that they need to cut. So anyway, but I, I picked up the foundation of the Infectious Diseases Society of America. Mm. So they obviously at a time where infectious disease is on 
everyone's mind all over the world thought, well, what, you know, if not now, when in terms of ramping up um, communication and researching what grants to, to apply for and really trying to strike while it's on everyone's minds. And so I've been managing this big communication project of auditing everything and creating a new website and managing a team of people. It's just, it's been nuts, but really interesting how the world takes and gives almost simultaneously. Uh, it's, it's a crazy, I, and I am really impressed Sarah to hear like the, how many of um, your clients have launched products. Cause that's one thing I've been reading a lot is that it's like a great time to be an entrepreneur, depending on what the product is, but really the most inexpensive <laughs> way yeah. since everyone's remote anyway. Yeah. 100%. And, and even when you think about advertising, right? Most brands have either scaled back their ad dollars or canceled them altogether, which means that there's more inventory, right? So naturally the prices for social ads in particular are going to decrease because of that. So it's a great time to do advertisements because not everyone is doing them, right? And then also it kind of this really allows for people to sit back. If there's any ideas that they had in terms of building a product or service or business, then they have plenty of opportunity to do so, right? So, I mean, what else are they going to do? We can't really go anywhere, right? <laughs> so if you had that business idea, now is the time to start implementing it, which is why I believe that there is going to be a surge toward the latter end of this pandemic of content, of new businesses. You know, all these different ideas are going to start to come to fruition after the tail end of, of the pandemic. So I would say certainly, you know, as consultants, as entrepreneurs, um, as business owners, now is a time to start honing in and, and, and hedging some of your bets in terms of getting, increasing and scaling your business after the pandemic. Wasn't your summit on speaking at events? We had another one, yeah. We had another um, one. At yeah, the beginning of this? Branding summit. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that, that so how did, did any of the content of that change based on what was going on? It Ooh, did. It did. Because the speaker branding summit was about getting people who either are thinking about speaking and even seasoned speakers, the information resources to help them create a speaking career or build a speaking career around their, their passion, skill or expertise. And so we created the entire program before the pandemic, but we certainly had to adjust because we felt like it was another opportunity because now there was more virtual events, right? So for those people who have that stage fright, right, can sort of talk into a mic and into their webcam and it may be a little more comfortable than speaking in front of hundreds of people on a stage, right? right? So we feel like this is an opportunity for novice speakers to start that process and sort of get their sea legs, so to speak, so that they can go ahead and become that speaker they want to be. That's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Actually, I taught a session yesterday morning for a membership-based organization of freelancers about tips for them to tell speakers who are speaking in virtual or online events. And I have done a lot of it. Um, so I feel like I've actually probably spoken more in online events than I've, sp- than I've actually been on stages now. But I, one of the things I said is in one of my many tips was to walk on screen like you're walking on stage or like you would walk into a room with that same level of energy or if not more, because <laughs> yeah. you can't see it, but Sarah's <laughs> modeling for it. Because this barrier, you know, that we have all this technology that's in between us actually, you know, meeting eyeballs with another person to like have that same level of energy when you, when you get on screen, it's super important. So yeah, it's, it's not the same on online and and face-to-face are different animals. Have you attended any online events where the speaker was standing? I have not. All the ones that I've attended so far, they've been like, it appears that they've been sitting and managing their laptop. 
Brian Fanzo. I've seen of him course. standing. Of yeah. That he did social media day. He was a keynote social gold media day. Gold star standard. What's that? <laughs> that Brian is the yeah. gold star oh standard. He exactly. is. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't do a full, you know, a full stand up because usually I feel like I'm in sweats or yoga pants and I'll have a yeah. or something like I don't even have shoes on right now. Um, right now. <laughs> so I've uh, conditioned myself to not be standing. And even when I do, I do a lot of news segments or, or film for TV shows. I'm usually like, they want you head up or seated and turn. They're very specific with their direction for that. So I think the standing would be such a simple innovation and something that would set folks apart. So we've all conditioned ourselves to think in this, you know, little square. Yeah. Well, I yes. think you have a different level of energy right when you're standing and it, but if you're a walker that could become problematic because if you're moving too much in the frame yeah that, <laughs> that, could, be, that. that could be tough. So yeah he but he's got his whole studio the setup is you know yeah. like he's got multiple cameras and that was another one of the things I said have some variety in your presentations and in your program and have you know having different ways that sessions are being done is, is helpful too so you know Stephanie Lou mentioned something interesting in her session on the link LinkedIn, during the LinkedIn summit this week for Agarpol, she said that she has like this little square of blue tape that she doesn't step into until she knows she's hyped up enough to be on screen. And I think that that was, that was a really cool idea. In fact, I was so inspired by that, that while I was getting ready for today's podcast, I had my Amazon music on like so loud all over the house. I was like getting ready, get in the zone. And now I'm so excited to be here. So you, it works. My next door neighbor is actually a stylist, a very talented one. And she told me, I'm totally not following her rules, but she's like, when you're going to get ready to go on camera. She's like, you should get all the way ready. Heel, yeah. your shoot, like everything. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. And I'm sitting here barefoot. But and she's right. It really does when you are, I don't want to say playing a part because you're not acting, but when you're getting in the zone and you're getting focused to get the whole look together, it can really matter. Has that anyone- makes sense. Has anyone put perfume on before on camera? <laughs> Dude, I do every day, no matter what. <laughs> that is one thing I do. I always smell good. It's like all the different senses. Drink on my face count. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you feel like what I think anything that makes you feel good can affect your positive mindset, I think is a good thing. So. Absolutely. You look good. If you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you perform better, right? Exactly. Yes. Yep. So true. Yeah. That morning exercise is my, is my jolt. Yeah. I will say that that gets me going. Awesome. How have you found uh, working out during the pandemic? I mean, you know, are you doing some virtual stuff, YouTube classes, stuff like that? So funny. So we're doing a whole mashup. My husband and I really took our training up a notch. And so we took half of our garage and turned it into a gym and have different folks. Now we like, we have our fitness crushes of people that we found (laughs) online. Like my husband has this one girl, he loves her ab routines, but um, they're a little too easy for me. (laughs) So like he does hers and I've got another one. And then I do have a few good friends who are also trainers. And so we'll work out together sometimes in the morning in the garage area. And then we've got this group of women who meet at the park near my house every Saturday and Sunday. And we've developed our own little mini boot camp that we do together. So we've got some source of camaraderie, whatever. And fitness has just found a whole new place in our lives and how we do it. We haven't been to a gym in six months. And now oh, I'm yeah. going to sit all day. It's essential. Yeah. 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 Get up and move. Yeah. For sure. I've been move. running. I wanted to buy, I want some weights, but you can't find weights. They're not. I, I no one's, they're not. You know what? We have to go on eBay and I outbid the heck out of someone to get some adjustable weights. We got those. Yep. We got them. And wakes and bikes are like impacted now. Yeah. Like everyone's yeah. cycling now. Um, got it all. Yes. That's so true. behind on that. Yeah. 
All right, Gente and Sarah, thank you so much for being our wonderful group two guests today. I can't say enough about how much I, I know, especially Sarah, not Gente, not that you're not busy, but she's like, got, she's going crazy. So I'm, I'm glad that you could fit us into your schedules. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, guys. All right, y'all. Here we are with group three in part two. So this is the sixth group of a two-parter reunion extravaganza. And I love ending this episode with these ladies. We have with (laughs) us Bree Anderson. Her show topic was success with SEO strategically. Her episode is episode 56, and it's the ninth most downloaded of the past year. Whoa! So, oh my yeah. gosh. I will say too. What happened? I meant to say this earlier, but half of our of all of our downloads, half of all of our lifetime downloads have come in the last year. So oh, yeah. oh okay. So we, we had something to do with that, Christy, too. Yeah. I mean that this season <laughs> like, yes. season three was so good. And yeah, and so was Miss Jen Cole did a really good job of helping us to, you know, get the word out. <laughs> we talked about this in part one, how she's been marketing our marketing podcast. Cause there's a difference. Uh-huh. There's a definite difference in the shows that she promotes and downloads. So um, kind of a badass. So yeah. And, then, <laughs> you are. and weirdly, uh, weirdly in the, the first part of this, I died and I didn't do this on purpose. A lot of those folks are like high up in all time downloads. So like Eric Fisher and Mark Schaefer tied for fifth. Dan Gingas is in six, like nipping at their heels. Like, so it's so fun. Chrissy, I, we're going to talk after this about maximizing ours. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Definitely. I definitely. love yeah. it. All right. And which brings me to Jennifer Watson and Chrissy Buck. Their show was Tech Tool Tips. Mm-hmm. And that was episode 48. And theirs is the eighth most downloaded. So oh. they want up to breathe. <laughs> Hello, Take that, Bree. I love you. <laughs> We're all going to be. You guys can keep this. No, they had two people. That's not fair. I was just me. <laughs> We're, We're going to promote all. Yes. Next time, I want to be on theirs. Oh, okay. We'll do a three way in season. You are now. We'll do a three way. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you guys are hilarious. This is great. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Bree, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your episode. Cool. I just quit my day job, so now I'm doing this. I'm doing this full time. This nice. is going to be my life. Yeah. So I am now the owner of Beast Analytics, I suppose you could say. And so I do consulting on SEO analytics and strategy. I like to say I'm an analytical nerd with a soft spot for strategy. And people have beaten the saying data-driven strategy and marketing, but truly that's what I do. I spend a lot of time looking at numbers and then finding opportunities, missteps, what have you. My episode was literally just a SEO brain dump. So trying to make sure that any level of, of SEO or marketer business owner even really could get something tangible that they could go act on right after the episode. Yeah. And we talked a lot about strategy, obviously, which yes. makes sense <laughs> based on everything that you just said makes perfect sense. So, well, thanks for coming back. So happy to have you here. All right, Chrissy and Jennifer, let's have Chrissy go first. Tell hey, us about your I'm episode and then we'll about yourself, what you're doing. Yeah, I am Chrissy Buck. And I am the former chief community officer for Quick, 
And we talked about tech tools. That was one of them. And I'm also the founder of The Digital Neighborhood, where I teach and talk about how to build community around your brand. And I've also pivoted into back into graphic design at Chrissy Sue Creations. And I'm having a blast arting. Like I art all the time. It, it so sounds like everyone else is happy here too. Everyone else is like cheering. Of course, this oh is an audio gosh, podcast, so you couldn't see it. But everyone <laughs> was like, so hip hip hooray. <laughs> well, that's good. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I could probably use a refresh on my logo. So mm-hmm. keep you in mind. Sorry if I interrupted. Wait. And yeah, so uh, real, just real quick, where you remind everyone what Quick? Yeah, Quick is a tool that transcribes video. And Quick is awesome, by the way. Boom. It's better than any tool I've ever used because I used to use YouTube, but Quick, it just like, you know, you know, transcribe it that way. But Quick, you can customize the fonts, the colors and make it stand out. So people will comment on our videos, not on how the quality and content of our videos, but they're like, but you know, the, uh, whatever it's called, they're like, how did you get that? How did you customize it? You know, like the captions, they're blown yeah. away by the captions. I'm like, but did you pay attention to the video? <laughs> the content. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. that's <laughs> so funny. Same thing. Like with whenever anyone's using StreamYard, and anyone who hasn't seen it before is like, what platform is that? That's so cool. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what you use for your show, isn't it? Yeah, for it's Friday. clean. It's yeah. awesome. All right. I'm Jennifer Weather. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. I guess it is me on there. I didn't even yeah. see that. Um, awesome. it's, it's safe. Yeah. So I am actually a meteorologist by trade, but I love both weather and social media because I don't think I could ever do like the same thing every day. I like change. And so both are constantly changing. So I'm fascinated by both. And I love social media for the way that it helps grow community and you can interact with people and engage with people around the world. And so I am the social media manager at Agora Pulse. And Agora Pulse is a social media management tool. It's one-stop shop for everything. We've got in-depth listening, scheduling, incident reporting, which is incredible, which I love because at my prior job, we didn't have a tool for about two years or so. And so you can customize it with your logo um, and other things. You can schedule reports so you can send it to your boss. Like at the same time, every single week, they're like, man, she's doing a great job. And there's so many other fun things that we're doing there, but we offer a lot of free things. On Agora Pulse, we just had another summit. We have a summit just about every quarter, at least three a year. But we we try to offer as much as we can to help support entrepreneurs, business owners, agencies, that our main goal is helping people. I love it. And you have helped me. You guys have helped me so much. And I love the reporting. That's my favorite thing. When I, whenever I show anyone the tool and they, I'm like, you, you just click this button and they're like, what? Yeah, yeah. just one click. And then, and you get an email with those, with the pretty graphs and everything. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'll, like, and that was one of the things my boss is there. People always want to see the reports and when you can make it look that good and customize it, you're just like, yes. Yeah. So this week is like your Super Bowl. Hey, two storms. Hurricane, yeah, tropical storm, like, like, and you had the, the summit. So how how is this week been for you? Have you been chasing the storms? Oh my God. Yes. It was crazy. So Wednesday was the most innovative summit we've had so far. We try to make it stand out against other virtual summits. And so there were two live keynotes and then 27 breakout sessions. So that was all Wednesday. And then we had a hurricane as well in the United States that made landfall in Louisiana. And so, which 
happened about six or seven hours after the summit ended. So I went from summit mode to hurricane mode and it, it, it was nuts. It was, it was crazy. I haven't gotten much sleep. And along with that, I've been prepping a couple of other presentations for two more virtual conferences I'm speaking at next week. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Speaking season is year round now officially. (laughs) I mean, there's not like, oh yeah, it used to be like conference season in the fall. It's like, nah, all the time. Yeah. And last minute requests I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's crazy. And for new material, like yesterday, the one I gave yesterday, I I had, I was like, sure, I could talk about that. Let me, (laughs) let me make that deck in my spare time. (laughs) Um, But it was super fun. Um, Yeah. No, I totally get it. It, It's interesting. The time we're in, I feel like, you know, I don't know if a lot of events are going to come back, you know, it may be more virtual events. It's going to be very intriguing to see what happens over the next five or six months, I think, as we get into 2021. Yeah. You know, events are my jam. That's my, that's my, one of my, my main verticals. So obviously this is a topic of discussion and angst and yeah, debate. The debate I saw today was over hybrid, how expensive Mm hybrid is going to be, because essentially it's like running two events at the same time but probably with the same budget and probably with the same amount of staff. And so how is that going to go? Because truly the pricing structure needs to be different, but are the end clients going to be willing to pay and all of that kind of stuff. So it's face-to-face is not going away altogether by no means, because people still need to be in the presence of each other. We've known this, right? After all this time with barely, you know, any human contact, at least for me, I mean, I live alone. Yeah. So being able to sit at the neighborhood bar, even if I have to sit outside and like look at the TV through the inside is like heaven. I, mean, I totally I mean, I, get that's true. Yeah. I love my home, but not that much. (laughs) I feel that. Oh my God. I'm so there with you, Megan. Even some of our live shows like through work, I mean, they've gone like 90 minutes or longer because I miss people. And so it's like my socializing and, you know, my boss is like, let's wrap this thing up. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, but I mean, that's it. And so, but I like seeing people in person too. So I don't know. It's so difficult to know what's going to happen. It will be be interesting. That's, that's for certain. All right, Miss Jen, you want to ask your your question? Yes, I do. So Brie, I'm going to start with you. Okay. I feel like this is a really important question. I feel like your answer is really going to be vital. It's been a big year and everything has turned to basically digital because of COVID. So what are you saying to your clients about optimization and making sure that they're truly being seen online? Well, you have to think a lot of small businesses and a lot of brick and mortar businesses were able to get away with a not so great online customer journey, right? And so now I'm really having to work with people to flush out, okay, so if they look you up, are they going to find you? And if so, is that information going to be correct? And is it going to send them to the right place to get what they need? And a lot of times they didn't really have to worry about that because they knew that if people could get to a Google Maps, and get to their building, they could either help them out or they could get them what they needed, you know, to serve them. That's just not the case anymore. So a lot of people are realizing when companies have bad websites, they're realizing when people, when companies don't have a good user experience. And so 
we've seen a lot of people redoing websites. We've seen a lot of people investing, you know, investing in their customer journey and things of that nature. I I really think that's probably been the biggest one is just when you get an influx of people online that they're going to realize, you know, what this, the the standard has been raised. I'll put it that way. For sure. that in that people are still going to spend money and they're going to spend a lot of money and you have to be ready for that. I think what's really cool and and been kind of fun to watch and see, and I'm hoping to get Christy in this situation here soon. So I've been watching TikTok. A lot of people are like hating on TikTok. I'm like, great, please continue to do so because nobody realizes the actual buying power that is on TikTok it's high. Like I would put it close to like a Pinterest level, like high buying power. And that, that's that's really a high buying powder. Yeah. yeah. Because Pinterest has like a 70% purchase rate, right? Like it's insane. But these people on TikTok are buying everything and they're buying <laughs> things that aren't even coming to them. And so it, it's been really fun to watch. And it's really interesting to see it like how because in TikTok too, like you don't get to put links in, in your captions or anything like that. So they have to go to the profile then they're usually going through a link tree and then they're finding what they need to. But people are being bought out of their stores. I mean, they will get crazy. Like they'll go from nothing, one hit, one viral post, and they've sold everything they have. And they have to be able to, to keep up with that, right? So it's not just that, but being ready for the influx when it comes. And I think a lot of people, they just weren't ready. I mean, we're seeing sites crashes left and right. Yeah, a lot lot of things. Yeah, you know, there was a part, you know, when I tuned into your Periscope today, it was one thing that I really enjoyed about that was you showing kind of the flow of the user experience throughout the website. Uh, It's so important for people to understand right now, because everything is online. So I I really loved seeing that. Like when I was going through my Google search this week, I didn't see that. But when you pulled that up on screen today, I was like, this is amazing. Like, it's so... so much easier to visualize when you see it on screen like that. And then you can go through and fix problems that need to be fixed. It's so, so right. Because you can see how many people come to a page, but there's usually a certain group of people that are going to go to that page. So whether those are the people coming from LinkedIn, what they really, really care about is your about because they're looking at who's leading this up. Like who's already supported this? Who's using it versus people that are coming from Facebook that are just looking to spend money or they're just looking for a quick fix, right? Like those are very different audiences. And so, you know, you have to understand that too. And a lot of people just have been able to get away without really truly looking at those details. Oh yeah. And it it just, it matters so much right now. So it's awesome. Brie, gosh, it's so awesome. Um, I'm I'm just really excited for you. So congrats on stepping out on your own. I think that that's so brave and, and just so cool. You're such a beast. I love that that's part of your brand. That's so cool. (laughs) So, um, so Chrissy, crazy year where we're also disconnected from each other. How are you communicating to everybody the importance of building a community around a brand right now in these times of COVID? Mm, Well, so right now, so I'm a homebody. So COVID has been great for me because I get to stay (laughs) home and... And do my thing, right? I never see you now. I know. Because I'm, I'm becoming home. a homebody. What's that about? <laughs> but I think it's important to, I haven't really been talking about it a whole lot. You know, we were talking about before we went on, you know, speaking season. Or wait, no, maybe we were on by then. We were talking about speaking season. So I have spoke a couple of times at some virtual summits about community. I just spoke at one called Stop the sales something. And we talked about building community around the C-suite. And so 
I mean, I think you should be building community with everybody in an organization. It's really human to human. But really, the biggest thing is just showing. And so going out and actually engaging with my community, you know, creating new connections. Brie was talking about TikTok. So she texted me last week. She's like, you need to get on TikTok. You guys, I put a, I put a video on TikTok. It has like 5,000 views. Yes. Ooh, That's amazing, okay. Chrissy. I have like 200 <laughs> new friends on TikTok. It's amazing. And this one guy, oh, cool. his name is Brian Fanzo. He keeps showing up. Keep, keep showing up. I, I know that guy. TikTok keeps showing up. He's a little bit of a stalker. Um, I know. He's been on mine too. Maybe it's just like a thing. I don't know. It is. <laughs> just all over dance the place. And stuff. I don't know. I don't like know. Anyway. Fun. So yeah, just going out and, and actually, you know, doing the work and actually engaging with people instead of just broadcasting all the time. Yeah. You know, just building relationships out online. That's what I've been doing during COVID. Well, that, and I think you've done a really good job too of, well, I I mean, I know we have our smaller communities, right? And so in our accountability group, you've been really open and honest about kind of like what your COVID experience has been about. And I think that's just important in general, right? As like, as marketers, we're really like, we're great at putting on the show and we're like really excited. But I think it's important too, to when, especially when it comes to building community that we are being honest with ourselves and we're being honest with, with our community as well. Like, yeah, you know, Chrissy's enjoying her time at home and I, I enjoy my time at home most of the time too, but it does. I mean, you, everybody hits a point and I know like Chrissy, when you're going through the pivot and things like that with like, maybe we'll do graphic design, maybe we won't. And then when your Etsy like really, really started taking off, like that was exciting. And, but but you've been honest and open about that. And I think that that brings your community closer is that you're willing to take people on that journey with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, leaving a high profile job, you know, working for a tech startup, just that is huge. But being in the C-suite at a tech startup, you know, I left because I was going to start this business where I teach community to people. And it just never felt right. It never felt good. And yeah, Brie and I are part of an accountability group with a couple of other marketers. And they really helped me work through that and to be okay with not being at the top of the world anymore. And um, finally, like coming to peace with the fact that it's okay to do your own thing. And maybe it's not like a big thing that everybody knows about. You know, I, I was used to not viral, but having that having that immediate gratification of, okay, like, uh, you know, hundreds of people just saw this or, yeah. you know, this is getting shared, getting that like positive feedback back. And now it's, it's new people. And it's new people because my demographic is new people. And those people don't know me yet. So I got to build, you know, I got to build up that relationship. But yeah, I'm finally, I'm finally at peace with that. And yeah, that's part of relationship is being authentic and real. It is. It is. It's just like any other uh, human to human relationship, you know, brand to human relationships, a relationship. And I'm so in vulnerabilities and all. I love that you've gone through that. I'm sure that you're glad that you're on this side of it because I'm, you know, any kind of transition, especially like that is, is a little bit of a challenge, but man, you are rising above. You're, you're amazing. And everyone knows it, Chrissy. Oh, thank you. So it's and so you have cool a new community of 5,000 new friends. Yeah. yeah, you do. That's amazing. I love that you're on TikTok. That is just, man, I'm not even on TikTok. What, what's your handle? Me too. Oh my gosh. Chrissy I have, too creative. I have 27 followers yes. and, and only 38 likes. So. That's okay. That you, everyone starts there. Everyone starts at the same spot. Zero. I zero do have eleven hundred and forty-five right. views on one. I haven't even put a video out yet. But how come more people didn't like it? <laughs> Make another one. 
<laughs> yeah. TikTok is very intriguing where sometimes one video will get like thousands or millions of views and then the next one doesn't. Yeah. And the amount of views you get on one video doesn't equate to all of a sudden a surge in followers. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like people see the videos, but they may not necessarily follow your account. So can our it, next video, can our next episode be TikTok that yes. us doing TikTok? Because oh, be I have so, so many thoughts on TikTok. Yeah. And I yeah. have been talking about it. We yeah. need to do it. Yeah. We yeah. actually oh, haven't okay. done a show on TikTok yet. And we I've been wanting to do it. We TikTok. call it. We call it. All right. You got Everybody it. Everybody else is off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it yeah. so much. Okay. This this is going long. I had a feeling this is going to happen. <laughs> Even with all the pre-talk. All right. Uh, Jen Cole, I think, has one more, one more question for Jennifer. Yes. Okay. Jennifer, this year has been incredible. It's been a year of change. It's been a year of different climates. And as a social social media manager, we've had to really take some things into account and pivot some things. And what is one word that you would use to describe a state of mind that you've used when you've thought about your messaging for social media for Agora Pulse this year? One word I would say is compassion. Yeah, there are many other words, but this is such an interesting time. And, you know, I feel like it's a time of no judgment. You can't judge someone on how they're living right now, what they're doing. Are they sending their kids to school and not sending their kids to school? Because like this virus is so interesting and unique in the way it impacts people. And, you know, it's unknown. Most of us have never been through a pandemic like this. And there's, you know, a lot of people have lost their job. There's businesses that are going like closing their doors. But I think the biggest thing is compassion, inclusion, and support. One of the biggest things we did at Agora Pulse at the end of March was we didn't have, we have a, a couple of different Facebook groups, uh, the social media lab, like an agency love one for actual clients, but we didn't have just an all-inclusive one, whether you're a client or not of Agora Pulse. And so we started it like social pulse community. And it was, yeah. I wanted to create a safe place where it's okay to voice concerns, ask questions. Cause social media is changing all the time. Different features are changing all the time. Like there are people that just specialize in Instagram stories. That's how, yeah. you know, all the different platforms, there's just so many different unique features to each. And so I wanted a safe place where we could all support each other and bring each other together. Cause I think community is more important than anything right now. And so having Mm -hmm. a place like that to help people, uh, businesses is something I wanted to really create. But also within that, like you, Brianna and Chrissy, you both have a group and Jen Cole and I are in our own little Queenies group. But I think now the power of having just a close group, whether it's a mastermind or not of people to bounce ideas off of because like literally we will randomly be like, Hey guys, I'm thinking of doing this. Does that make sense? Does that sound good? But like a a safe zone, you know? And so I I just think, you know, I guess the one word is compassion, but I think more than anything, it's community. And like you've been doing Chrissy is storytelling, you know, storytelling has been big before this, but it really matters now. And the relatability is there for everyone. We're all on the same 
playing field when it comes to, yes, we're all, we have commonality. Everyone has one commonality around the world. It's the virus. You know, we've been dealing with this. And so it kind of, in a weird way, even though I hate the virus, it's uniting us in an odd way too. And it's leveling the playing field with everyone having to go mostly live from their homes. And there's a lot of opportunity right now that, you know, it's tough because there's a lot of tough situations, but also if you look at the light through the end of the tunnel, there is opportunity. There are ways to thrive right now too. So it's, you know, compassion over anything, but then support and pivoting. That's one of the biggest things I've realized. And I've also realized during this whole time, if you want to do something, do it now. You have no idea what the future holds, what tomorrow (laughs) holds, like do it, like just, just make it happen because you just never know. Well, I mean, I think that that is a perfect way to end the show. You're so wise. I love (laughs) it. Thank you, Megan. (laughs) No, seriously. Thank you all so much for, for joining us again. It was great catching up and hopefully everyone listening get as much out of it as as I did (laughs) being with you. So I thank you all and I wish you all good health and um, rock in your, your communities and the work that you're all doing. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Okay, this has been part two of our season four kickoff, our season three reunion, episode 64. Thanks, y'all, and we will catch you next time.